hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Discovery Point Church. Isn't it good to know that all we really need is Jesus? And he can take care of all of our issues and our problems and concerns. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for a sweet time of worship this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you. And I pray that the cry of our heart this morning is that we just need you. And Lord, we need more of you today. Uh, So as we come to your word uh, this morning, speak to our hearts, I pray. And uh, invade and infect our prayer life for your glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The story is told of a, a little boy who had been sent to his room because uh, he'd been bad. And a short time later, he came out of his room and said to his mom, Mom, I've been thinking about what I've done, and I've, I've said a little prayer. To which she responded, that's fine. You know, if you pray and ask God to help make you better, he will. To which he responded, oh, I didn't ask him to help me be good. I asked them to help you put up with me. (laughs) If you haven't guessed, we're talking about prayer this morning, and uh, prayer is something that ought to be a part of our everyday lives as kingdom citizens. Prayer, technically, is when we invoke deity. Um, Realistically, it's when we have a little talk with Jesus. There used to be an old song we used to sing in church, Just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Anybody remember that old hymn from years ago? And it's so true. Just a little talk with Jesus will make it right. And so today Jesus is talking about prayer, not corporate prayer, like when we gather here uh, to worship, not the prayer that we pray when we give thanks for our food, but our own personal prayer. When we get alone and we go before God, And it's personal prayer that Jesus wants to give us some principles for this morning. And prayer is a vital part of the kingdom citizen's life. And I hope that we are praying each and every day. And Jesus has something to say to us today about prayer. And if you've been with us for any amount of time, you know that we have embarked on this series called Kingdom Life, where we are looking at what Jesus requires of his people as they live out their lives here today. Remember, we want to be a church that glorifies Jesus through how we live. We want to be a church that remembers that no matter where we go, we are ambassadors for Jesus. And no matter who we encounter, we want them to see and hear Jesus through us. And so we've embarked on this study of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 to see what Jesus has to say to us about this kingdom life. And he's already said some things that have kind of rubbed us the wrong way. As we, as we told you beforehand, he would. Nonetheless, this is what he expects of us as his people. Uh, and last week we saw where Jesus said he expects us to give alms, to, to support the poor, to give to the poor. And he told us that, to not to let one hand know what the other hand is doing. That, that when you give alms, don't draw attention to yourself. But that if you give alms in private, 
that God would take care of things publicly. And it's the same way with, with prayer. And so if you haven't already turned with me to, to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus has some principles for personal prayer for us. And he begins in verse 5 where he says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Jesus begins talking about personal prayer And he says, whenever you yourselves might pray. Now, in first century, the Jews prayed at at 9 a.m., at noon, and at 3 p.m. And those were designated times to pray. 9 a.m., 12 noon, and 3 p.m. But there's no such regulation for the church in the New Testament. There is no set time for us to pray as a New Testament church. Paul says to pray without ceasing, but there is no set time. Some of us like to pray in the mornings when we first get up, and we roll out of bed and roll under our knees and we pray. Others of us like to pray when we're on the way to work and we're just kind of alone and we've got some quiet time before the chaos happens and we, we have a little talk with the Lord. And still others of us like to pray at night before we go to bed. We kind of think about our day, and we, we pray. But there's no set time to pray. Yet Jesus expects us to pray. I want you to notice also that there's no set posture for prayer. We can pray standing. We can pray on our knees. Or we can pray prostrate to the floor. It's, it's not the position that's important but it's the state of our heart when we pray that Jesus is concerned with. And what I find interesting is this. When Jesus says, whenever you yourselves might pray, in the Greek text, it's in the middle voice. And what that means is is that the subject is performing the action. When we pray, we do the praying, but in praying, there's a benefit for us when we pray. And when we pray and we come before God, God promises to give us his peace. We read this earlier. Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And the the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So prayer brings us peace. Amen? Amen? When we give these things in our lives over to Jesus, we can rest assured that he will take care of them. And, we, and guards, God's peace guards our hearts and our minds. And when, with peace comes comfort because anxiety has gone away. And we don't have to be anxious or uptight about the things that we're dealing with. And with comfort comes rest because we can kind of, because I've given it over to Jesus, and I'm going to let him take care of it. Does that make sense? And so Jesus says that he expects his people to pray, but he also tells us that prayer is not an exposition. 
He says, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Prayer is not an exposition. It is not to show people how holy we are. It's not to show people how close to God we are. Jesus says, don't be like the, the hypocrites. The Greek word for hypocrite is, is hypocrites, and it has the idea of one who performs in front of others or one who pretends to be something that they are not. And in Greek culture and in Roman culture, a hypocrite spoke of an actor who would put on a mask and be part of a play and play a part in a play. They would play something that they truly are not. Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. They are actors who are playing a part in a real-life play. He says that they love, they enjoy being out in public when it's time to pray. So at 3 and 9 and noon, they, they can't wait to find that street corner where everybody's going to be so that when it's time to pray, they can, <clears throat> Oh, Lord! God of the heavens, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they put on this show before men. Here's why. So that they can be seen by men. So that men can see how holy they are, how pious they are. Gee, they must be really close to God. Gee, I will never, ever learn to pray like that. He must have God's ear. Gee, I wish I could pray half as good as he prays. Jesus says that the hypocrites, they pray that they might be seen standing in the synagogue and on the street corners. And he says, truly, I tell you, they have their reward. That's it. They got the praise of men. That's it and no more. So that when they stand before the bema seat of Jesus, what that prayer turns out to be is wood, hay, and stubble. It gets burned up. And it doesn't last. Jesus says, don't be like them. Jesus characterizes this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, where he says, talking about the Pharisees, he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. These are the hypocrites. They, they put on a show. They look holy. They look righteous. They sound like they're close to God, when in reality, inside, they're empty. And there's no substance there. Jesus says, don't be like them. I'm reminded of the Pharisee and the, the tax collector when they went to pray in the synagogue in Luke chapter 18. And listen to what the text says. It says, and, and this is Jesus talking, and he told, he told also this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Verse 13, but the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven but was beating his chest. 
saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went up to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. What's the point, Pastor Rod? The point is that when we pray, we don't pray to impress people. We don't pray to put other people down. We don't pray to lift ourselves up or to show how much we know that prayer is personal. And if you've been praying to impress people, stop it. And I know that there's nobody here that prays like that. But if you are, stop it. Jesus says they have their reward in full. And again, that is the accolades of men. And we don't want that kind of reward from the Lord. Thirdly, Jesus says that prayer is personal. Prayer is personal. Look at verse 6 with me. Jesus says, but you, this is emphatic, but you, each and every one of you in the crowd before Jesus here today, each and every one of you, but you, when you pray, Jesus says, go into your inner room, close the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, this is personal prayer. And Jesus says, when you pray, go into your inner room. Go into your closet. In the first century, oftentimes homes had these storerooms in the middle of the house. And that's kind of the idea. Go into that storeroom. Shut the door. And spend some time alone with the Father. Get away from the television. Get away from your spouse. Get away from the kids. Leave the dog outside. Go into your inner room and shut the door and pray so that we don't have any distractions. Because there are some things that we need to talk to God about that only he needs to hear. As much as I love my wife, there are some things that I just, i got to talk to God about. And when we get along with God, we're to do just that. We are to pour out our hearts to him. We're to expose our hearts to Jesus, our struggles, our trials. That person at work that just rubs you the wrong way. The health diagnosis that you just, you don't know what to do about it. The fact that your spouse is not doing well. The fact that I don't have enough money for the end of the month. We're to give it all to God in private and just pour our hearts out to him. And here's something that I've learned. That when we, that when I, let me speak for me, when I go into my closet at home, I will close the door. And sometimes I'm just on my knees. Sometimes I stand. Sometimes I'm prostrate on the floor. But one thing I've learned is this. When you pray, leave time for God to talk to you. I have this habit of I'll, I'll go in my closet and I'll pray and I'll get up when I'm done and I'm out. But I've learned to take time to just be still and let the Lord speak to me in this personal one-on-one -on -one time. Does that make sense? 
And so when you pray, leave time for God to speak to you. Get alone by yourself and have a little talk with Jesus. Again, there are things that only God needs to hear from you. You and him and nobody else. I'm reminded of of Elisha when he was dealing with the Shulamite woman and her her son that Elisha had promised to her earlier had died. And so she goes to get Elisha. And he comes to her house and look at what the text says in 2 Kings 4 verses 32 through 33. When Elijah came into the house, behold, the lad was dead. And she was not happy about this and laid on his bed. So he entered, and what did he do? He shut the door behind them both and prayed to the Lord. Elisha left them outside because God hadn't told him what the issue was. until he, But when he got there, he saw, oh, the son is dead. And he had some one-on-one time with God. And you and I, as kingdom citizens, need to have some one-on-one time with God the Father and pour our hearts out to him. And here's the truth statement in this verse. Jesus says that pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will repay. That's the promise. When you and I get into our closets alone with God and we pray, Jesus promises that he will repay. He will answer in his time and in his way, but he will answer. And I love that. Francois Fenelon, the 17th century Roman Catholic Frenchman, had this to say about prayer, about personal prayer. He says, tell God all that is in your heart as one unloads one's heart, its pleasures and its pains to a dear friend. Tell him your troubles that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys, that he may sober them. Tell him your longings, that he may purify them. Tell him your dislikes, that he may help you conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations, that he may shield you from them. Show him the wounds of your heart, that he may heal them. Lay bare your indifference to good, your depraved taste from evil, your instability. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others, how vanity tempts you to be insincere, how pride disguises you to yourself and others. If you thus pour out all your weaknesses, needs, troubles, there will be no lack of what to say. You will never exhaust the subject. It is continually being renewed. People who, know, who have no secrets from each other never want for subject of conversation. They do not wave for words, for there is nothing to be held back, neither do they seek for something to say. They talk out of the abundance of the heart. Without consideration, they just say what they think. Then he says this, blessed are they who attain to such familiar, unreserved intercourse with God. Our personal prayer is to be a time when we let God know what is on our hearts, those things that are weighing us down. We are to give it all over to him during this time. Let him have it. 
because he can handle it. And Jesus promises that when we do, God will reward us. Not Rod, but Jesus. So prayer is to be personal, one-on-one with God. Fourthly, prayer is not repetitious. Look at verses 7 through 8 with me. Jesus says, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. I think this is important for us today. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition. The Greek word is batalageo. It means to use the same words over and over again, or to use many words, or to use useless or purposeless words, or to speak for a long time. You get the idea? When we come before Jesus, when we come before the Father in personal prayer, we don't have to pray for three, four, five hours. Jesus says, don't use meaningless repetition. When, when I was in Dallas back in the 19, early 1990s, 92, 93, I was working second shift at a company in, in Dallas, and I went out for lunch and came back in the parking lot, and I was eating my lunch, and I turned the radio on, to listen to something, well, something interesting. And as I'm scanning through the radio stations, I came across this station that had some weird stuff going on. There was, there was this, this mantra, and I thought, gee, that's interesting. Now, understand, I was young in my Christian walk. I was, I was a babe in Christ. But this sounded kind of strange on this radio station. And they, they kept saying over and over something like, Blessed art thou Mary among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Um, And something else, something else. And then they said the same thing again. And then they they said it again. And then they said it again. And again. And again. And again. For 20 minutes, this prayer was prayed. And I've learned since then that they were praying the rosary. It was a Catholic radio station. And they were praying the rosary over and over and over for, again, for 20 minutes. And I thought, what in the world is this? By the time you've said the same thing over and over again, after four or five minutes, it becomes rote. It becomes meaningless. It becomes so repetitious that there's no life in it. Jesus says not to use meaningless repetition. Because the Gentiles think if they use a lot of words that they'll they'll bend God's ear. And prayer is to be personal and and, and passionate and, and emotional. Not meaningless repetition, as Jesus says. I'm reminded of, of Elijah, the prophet, Elijah, the prophet who when he encountered uh, the prophets of Baal, First uh, Kings chapter 18, and they were trying to figure out, well, which God is God? Is Baal God or is Yahweh God? And so it was Elijah versus these 450 prophets, and Elijah told them, look, go get two oxen, and then you guys build an altar, and you sacrifice that altar. You go first. Sacrifice that ox. And then I want you to pray 
to Baal. And if he answers and calls down fire from heaven and consumes the offering, then Baal is God. But if Yahweh does it, then he is God. And look at the text, 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 26. It says, Then they, this is the, ba- the prophets of Baal, they, uh, then they took the ox which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they made. It came about at noon... Lady Elisha mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he is a God. Either he is occupied or gone aside or is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and needs to be awakened. So he's mocking them. Verse 28, So they cried with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out on them. When midday was past, They raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, which is about 3 p.m. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. They've been praying and yelling and acting out for about six hours, and there's nothing. But then we get to verse 36. It says, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you were God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back again. And the Bible says that fire came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. By the way, before Elisha prayed, he had them douse water on the sacrifice till it was dripping and soaked and saturated with water. And the fire that came from heaven after he prayed consumed the sacrifice and it lapped up the water. Then he slaughtered all of them, just like Elisha, only to run away after Jezebel threatened him a day later. I tell you, I love Elisha. He's real. What's my point? He is. What's my point? In his prayer, it was short and succinct and it was to the point. He didn't pray for six hours. He didn't pray for two hours. He prayed what he needed to pray, and God responded. This reminds me of the, the Apostle Peter, who in Matthew chapter 14, he's in the boat with the disciples. There's a storm happening, and they're afraid because they think they see a ghost out on the water. And somebody realizes, oh, it's Jesus, as he walked near to them. And Peter says, Lord, bid me to come out on the water where you are. Jesus says, come on. And in Matthew chapter 14, verse 29, look at what happens. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Peter is walking on water. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, O Lord God of the heavens, full of grace and truth, the only wise God, right? No, he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus pulled him up. It was quick. It was short. It was succinct. And it was to the point. Our prayers don't have to be these long, 
ethereal, up in the ether type prayers. They can be specific and they can be short and they can be succinct. I love what Chuck Spindle says in his book, Strengthen Your Grip. Uh, he challenges us to do this. He says, I dare you to pray without using bless or lead, guide, and, and direct or help so-and-so or thy will or each and every and any number of these institutionalized terms. He says, I dare you. In other words, just have a little talk with Jesus. You don't have to go to seminary or Bible college or a class on praying to pray. Just Pray and say what's on your heart. We don't have to get up in the ether to pray to the Lord. Jesus says that prayer ought to be simple and succinct because God already understands what we need. He knows what you and I need. But he wants us to, to nurture that relationship with him and just talk to him. So don't be like the Gentiles, Jesus says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. But he wants us nonetheless to come to him, to talk with him, to nurture our relationship through prayer, to deepen our intimacy through prayer as we have a little talk with him. Does that make sense? One commentator says this about prayer. He says, prayer is straightforward and simple for those who have experienced the grace of the kingdom of Christ. In prayer, the disciple does not try to coerce God or manipulate God. There are no magical words or formulae, nor does an abundance of words count with God. He says, short, direct, and sincere prayers are adequate. Prayer, furthermore, is not made to inform God of our needs, and desires. Nevertheless, the Christian should pray. God knows what you're going with, going through. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows your struggles. He sees the trials. He knows your triumphs, and he knows your defeats. But he wants you to talk to him about those, to bring them before him, and then he, he wants to meet our needs. Amen? Uh, a Confederate soldier once prayed this prayer that is found in uh, the speaker's treasury of, of 400 quotable poems by Croft M. Penson. The soldier prays this. He says, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I may learn humbly to obey. I asked God for help that I may do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I may have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. I am among all men most richly blessed. When we go into our inner rooms and we pray and we spend time with the Father, the Father takes our will and he brings our will in submission to his will. And then we can be about his will for our lives. 
uh, this time spent with God in private is to let him know that we need him, to let him know that we can't live this life on our own, to let him know that we are dependent upon him and that his will is now our will. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes our will and makes it the Father's will for our lives. I want to leave you with three things. Number one, today, make time to spend with God the Father in prayer. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow isn't promised to us. Let's make some time today. After the game or before the game. Either way, make some time to spend with God the Father. You decide. 20 minutes, an hour. That's between you and God. But make some time to spend with the Father today. Alone, away from the TV, away from the phone, (laughs) away from spouse, away from kids. You and the Father one-on-one. Secondly, in your prayers, be raw with God. Prayer is, is not this sanitized practice or event that we engage in. Prayer ought to be full of emotion and, and passion and a sense of realness as we talk with God. So be raw. Let him know how you feel. Let him know the hurts that you're going through. Let him know how you are so unsure about the uncertainties in your life. Let him know how such a terrible day you had today. Well, not today, but whatever whatever day it might be. Let him know just how bad it was. Let him know how thankful you are for your salvation and how glad you know that one day you'll see Jesus face to face. Let him know your struggles, your struggles with doubt, your struggles with sin, and be honest and real with him. I shared with, uh, with, with uh, the, the first service the time that when I was in Dallas many years ago, just full disclosure, I've since repented. Let's get there. Let's, let's just, okay, I've repented. But way, but way back then, when I was going through and I was just so unhappy and in this depression and sitting at the stoplight, I just yelled at the top of my voice, Lord, get me out of here. I hate it here. As loud as I could in my car. But I was talking with him. And I was real. Because I wanted him to know this is how I feel. I don't want to be here even though it was his plan for us to be there and there was a purpose, I was honest enough to let him know how dissatisfied I was being there. Nonetheless, he brought us back to Arizona. But I was real and I was raw with God, and we need to do the same. He can handle what we're going through. He can handle the emotion that we feel. So when you pray, don't pray a sterile little prayer. Be open and honest and be raw with God. Make sense? Lastly, talk with your father as you would your closest friend. Talk with God the Father as you would your closest friend. 
We don't have to have this, this predetermined, oh, God, how thou, how thou art in the heavens. We just, Lord, I'm struggling, and I need you. Lord, I did it again. I blew it, and I need your forgiveness. Lord, I, I, I've offended my wife again, and I just, I don't know what to do. I need you to help me today. Talk to him like you would your closest friend. You know, Jesus is closer than a brother. And so when you talk to the Father, just talk to him. Just be real and just have a conversation. Because just a little talk with Jesus, the song says, will make it right. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word, and we thank you for, Lord Jesus, what you have to say to us today concerning prayer. Lord, we pray that today our prayer lives will be affected by what you have said. And so, Lord, may we schedule time with the Father today for your glory as we live out this kingdom life. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.